WBT Production presents Horse Ruba, Episode 3 The Forgotten Ones, Part 1. Zeba drew water from the well, one of the many jobs forced upon her by the women of the Arabian camp. It was hidden well, somewhere south of the Persian Empire. She carried the wooden bucket across the camp. They would watch her too. Their venomous gaze pinned upon her seemingly day and night. Zeba knew they didn't trust her. This was in part due to her being Persian, as well as a prisoner. But there was more inside their eyes. There was also envy, envy for her beauty, her perfect olive skin and long black hair. But this did not comfort Zeba. Such a strong emotion would only lead to her detriment. As always, her thoughts were of escape. She did not know her way through this barren wasteland. And then there was her family. Her father, forced to make weapons for the Arabs, and her mother, tasked to preparing meals. she headed for the food preparation area. At least this task would allow her time with her mother. She then thought of Cass. He had gone hunting some time ago, but she had not seen him return from his hunt. Of course, this was not that unusual as sometimes she might go days without seeing any of her family. There was only one problem. The man that had accompanied him on the hunt had returned. She was certain. Where's Cass? So, where was he? Where's Cass? With every passing moment, she was convinced he was in danger. She resumed her trek when she noticed the small crowd. They were gathered at the edge of the camp. She heard someone cry for water. She made her way to them. Someone pushed through the crowd, a water skin in their hands. She peered through the gab to see someone upon the ground. She moved in to catch a better look. It was Cass. Cass! Zeba shoved her way to his side. Cass! Cass! Mother! Mother! He was filthy. The desert sands encrusted upon him. He barely moved as he was given water. <coughs> Mother, 
His eyes opened. He smiled. Ziva. Ziva. He spoke before slipping into unconsciousness. Queen Adara rose from her bath and crossed the room to retrieve her robe. She looked back at Amiral, his head still bowed. She smiled. You're certain of this? She approached Amiral. Without a doubt. She looked him in the eye, her body positioned less than a foot from his. You are looking at me. She was always testing him like this, and he had yet to take the bait. Of course. How else would I address my queen? I would never think to disrespect. He was among the few not captivated by her beauty, a fact she found both admirable and dangerous. Is that how one engages a queen? With your eyes filled with lust? My queen, I would never. Huh. Be quick, Admiral. I should like to sup before the food molds. And then she saw it. It was not a gap, as she had expected, but rather a translucency, a shifting haze inset within the wall of solid color. She moved closer. Her gaze held firm upon it. She placed her hand over the patch. Cold. Like a patch of shadow under a burning sun. This was more than just a hole. It was a void. She turned to Amaral. Come. Place your hand upon it. Amaral continued her thought. In contrast to the fiery wall beyond, And if this fade were to continue, the closer we'd be drawn back to Hashruba. This made sense, for if the divider were to fall, so would the other. After all, they were still of Hashruba. Granted, King Batraz the Wise did not see them as such, but this did not change the shared bloodline, one that could never be severed. Will it grow? Soon. Her eyes narrowed. Of what use was this news to them? For such a thing must already be known by the king. His damned eyes saw all. Go. I must consider this. She turned from Amaral. He took a step toward the queen. What is there to- no! She spun about, rage in her eyes. 
Amaral stepped back, bowed, then slipped from her chamber. Kopala lashed out with his blade, nearly severing the head of the first attacker. I said stay back! He was so close. No more than a few feet, it seemed. Come and die! He had also nearly slain a second as he countered with his weapon, but it was not. There was just too many for one man to fight. But worse than that, Kopala found, was their skill in the art of battle. Despite their shared heritage, Kopala had always believed them to be a little more than slobbering beasts. Especially following their banishment to his forgotten realm. Society should not have thrived here. Indeed, it seemed there was little chance for life to do so. But having discovered that it had not only done so, but evolved into a functional civilization, this was a revelation. Two more forgotten ones lunged at Kopala from the right. He repelled one, but left himself open to the second. It had no weapon other than its fists. Kopala fell to the ground. However, after finding himself at the end of two massive blows to the body, Kopala had thought perhaps he may have preferred it if he had used one after all. Come and die, then. As the thing pressed his attack, he managed to dodge the entirety of its attack long enough to stand. He pulled a dagger from his belt and hurled it at his attacker. It dodged the blade with ease, but this was of no matter. Kopala had used the weapon as a feint. The real attack came with the casting of a simple yet effective spell. Kopala extended his arm toward the nearby river. He clenched his fist, then thrust it out at the attacker. It lashed out, smashed against his enemy, and flung it back into the forest. Of course, his hand held nothing, but instead drew it with a massive cascade of water. Perhaps, Kopala thought, I may escape this after all. That's when he found himself on the receiving end of a magic attack. Ah! 
The ground rose up beneath him as if launched into orbit. He lost his balance and fell. He turned in time to see the patch of Earth reverse direction and descend over him. The pain was unbearable. He might have even screamed, but all the air had been thrust from his lungs. His eyes clenched shut as he struggled to regain his breath. Kopala thought he may have been slipping into delusion upon hearing the voice. He had never heard a forgotten one speak. You, you speak he supposed it was possible, but as his perception of them to be what it was, it nonetheless came as a shock. He pulled himself from under his would-be grave. He stood. His great speed nearly halved. As he turned about, ready to continue the fight, he found his attackers still as the surround forest. He reached for his sword, causing a gratiating pain from within his chest. His ribs, two, perhaps three, broken. I did not come to fight. But I swear. He pushed the pain back into his mind as he held up his sword. You say you will not fight. Then why come with weapon in hand? His opponents kept their positions. Put your sword down. Your death will accomplish little. Surrender. This time, he had indeed heard the voice. I know you wonder how the Forgotten Ones should possess the gift of mind-speaking. But not a sound was uttered. There is so much about us to which you are ignorant. This voice had come from within his mind. A telepath. And illiterate at that. Ignorance is one thing. Stupidity, however, is quite another. Surrender! He threw down his weapon, gazed into the surrounding forces. Your appearance is not as dreadful as I thought. He had strived to make himself a master at his craft, and it had led to this. Defeat by the most unlikely of opponents. Am I your prisoner now? But at least I took more than my share with me. He thought only seconds before both pain and exhaustion <sighs> cast him into a darkness black as pitch.
on the next episode. Your offer is more generous. The Forgotten One's gaze met with that of Abu Talib, leader of the Sakr clan. He had been tasked to by his master to offer a most unusual alliance between the Forgotten Ones and the Sakr clan. But one must ask why. What does such thing mean for you? Mutual survival. I should consider this. In the meantime, you will be our guest. Sosruko turned in his bed. His eyes narrowed with sleep. He coughed, cleared his throat. Sosruko! Really, brother? If you feel the need to keep in constant contact, we both would have been better off with me inside Hashruba. The walls, they are compromised. One of the forest dwellers appeared within Hashruba. Ridiculous. Cast jolted awake. He pitched himself forward, compelled forward by the lingering moments of his dream. Cass! A woman rose from his side, grabbing onto him and keeping him in place. His mother, Minu. He looked up at her. Mother, where am I? The camp, of course. For the first time in a long while, Luca felt exhaustion. He began to consult his various texts and scrolls for a solution. There was not a single record of a failure the magic used to maintain Hoshruba's walls. All of Hoshruba depended on him. The figure stood, his hands holding the sun-streaked parchment. If only the master were here, Dak thought, as he read aloud the words. You who are tasked to read what is writ, know that you will see this to its end. The edge of night will pierce the shield of light. Lies will give way to reveal what is forever right. This has been Hoshruba, Episode 3, The Forgotten Ones, Part 1, created by WBT Productions, written by Brent Beebe, produced by Farouk Shah Khan, directed by Elio Rep Hernandez, sound mixer and sound editor Elio Rep Hernandez, sound recordist Jensen Young, sound mixer, post-sound, and sound editor for credits Sophie Huang. Narrated by Darren Johnson, voiceover artists Madison Lippi as Ziba, Nima Yazdani as Cass, Rasha Mohammed and Norma Shenuda as Arabian women, Danielle Barsena as Queen Adara, Zergog Tobar as Amiral, Jeffrey Gilbert as General Kapala, Jonathan Lacosto as The Forgotten Ones, Credits Voice by Steve Gray. Stay tuned for Hoshruba, Episode 3, The Forgotten Ones, Part 2.